I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. Before we get started here this morning, I'm going to be preaching on the Psalms today. And what really drew me to the Psalm was the good news that we find in it. The psalmist commands his soul to remember all the benefits of the Lord. And it was Philip Melanchthon, the guy who wrote the Augsburg Confessions while Luther was in hiding, who said once that to know Christ is to know his benefits. You all know the song, Jesus Loves Me? So this is a really wonderful, beautiful little song. We actually sang it in Ethan's baptism. Jesus loves me, this I know. Or the Bible tells me so. And it's a great song remembering God's love for us. Yet as Christians, we're not just called to remember God's love for ourselves. We're also called to proclaim that love for each other and for the whole world. Now, you could, if you wanted to, turn to the person next to you and sing this. But I would hate doing that, so I'm not going to make you do it. Instead, I want to invite you to join me in singing. Uh, the Jesus loves me only instead of Jesus loves me. We're going to change the me into you. As we do this, listen to how it changes the song. This is what evangelism is. This is reminding others of Christ's benefits, of God's benefits in their lives. Let's sing Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you this I know. What is the measure of a life? What weight can be used to determine another person's worth? How do you quantify the meaning of another self? There is no instrument which can comprehend the significance of a soul. No value which can be assigned to something so priceless. The closest we often come to perceiving the sum of a life is through the kind words of remembrance at death. 
Journalist Philip Kennicott reflected on the meaning Death Gives Life in a recent Tribune article, which was entitled, Obituaries Seem to Be the Only Redemptive News Anymore. He was especially focused on the recent death of author Toni Morrison. He wrote, The reflective look back on a life and a body of work such as Morrison's is ultimately celebratory, a chance to think the best of another person, and by extension, ourselves. So much of the news that we see and hear assumes the worst about people and the world. Obituaries are one of the rare exceptions that focus on and even celebrate the blessings of another's life. My life experience and my experience as a pastor have taught me that our memories become very selective after a loss. Sometimes it seems that we go out of our way to remember the good and forget the brokenness. Sometimes it seems that we go out of our way to point out another person's merits while remaining silent about their faults. Obituaries often measure life in years, accomplishments, and relationships. And those who are beloved by their friends and their family, and those who have done something noteworthy in their life, are truly blessed in newspaper remembrances. But what about the families I've walked with, the ones who have felt that their loved one was too broken for a church funeral? What about the gravesides I've stood at where no one has anything nice to say about the remembered, and they choose silence? It's almost as if we're afraid that honesty will somehow damage our memory of the remembered. It's almost as if we're afraid to acknowledge the reality of sin and brokenness in each of our lives. We are all captive to sin and brokenness in one way or another. Even the psalmist, whose song of praise we sang today. Now, we don't know who composed Psalm 103, but the psalm is attributed to the beloved King David. Now, you might remember from Sunday school that David is most famous for the way that his faith in God helped him overcome the Philistine giant Goliath. Even David's name means beloved. Still, the book of 1 Samuel paints an all-too-human portrait of this stained-glass saint. David was a lowly shepherd boy, the youngest of eight children. Actually, eight brothers. The prophet Samuel tapped him out at an early age to usurp the throne of Israel's current king with God's blessing. David rose to prominence in the king's house as a court musician until the king became rightly paranoid and tried to kill him. After David became king, God promised to establish his house forever. It appears that this promise went to David's head, because he began to fool around with a married woman. He got her pregnant, putting them both at risk of the death penalty. And when he discovered that he could not pass her pregnancy off as her husband's, 
he arranged an accident for her husband. Later, David authored another miscarriage of justice, which caused one of his sons to rebel against him. He also brought God's wrath down on Israel in the form of a plague because he took a census which God had forbidden. David was a man who knew iniquity. His own actions sometimes brought judgment, sickness, and death upon himself and upon those around him. Perhaps these experiences of sin and brokenness are what enabled David to recognize God's benefits in his life. Perhaps the weight of sin that he felt pressing down on him gave him unique insight into the steadfast love, mercy, and grace of God. God's help must have come to the psalmist in those times when he was at his worst. The psalmist was set free by God's genuine, life-renewing forgiveness. He was restored to favor through God's compassionate, healing touch. The psalmist beheld his own mortality with horror until God drew him back from the edge of the pit, restoring him to life. Despite his failings, despite his iniquity and his brokenness, God crowned the psalmist with steadfast love and mercy. The measure of a life is not to be found in the excellence of an individual. The measure of life is to be found in the excellence of God's love and mercy for a broken and sinful world. How else could the psalmist sing to the sin-sick soul that God satisfies you with good as long as you live, even when you feel, feel doubled over under the weight of God's judgment. God's works of steadfast love and mercy had real-life consequences for the psalmist. He felt his youth renewed like the eagles. His sin, sickness, and death molted away as he encountered the tender compassion of God. God's mercy opened up a whole world of exciting possibilities making the psalmist's life as the life of a young person, undecided and unwritten. There were new opportunities to make amends, new opportunities to do the right thing, new opportunities to live in harmony with God's purpose for the world and for the nation. All who perceive God's mercy recognize that it renews the face of the earth. And for that, God is worthy of all praise. A true life of praise is lived in response to God's goodness. It turns continually from evil works and joins God in the works of the Torah. Such works include upholding right speech and action, as well as loosening the bonds of extortion. This is what it means when the psalmist sings, The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. This is the way God made known to Moses. This is the sum of God's actions 
in delivering Israel from slavery into freedom. We have received grace upon grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. For his sake, we may join the song of the psalmist who commands his soul to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord. The soul the psalmist addresses is not an immortal ghost that lives on after death. The soul is our very life breath, that inner self who has exhaled into the world through being and through acting. Through Christ's gospel, our inner self receives the promise of forgiveness. Your inner self, though broken, is mended and made whole. Yes, we are mortal, but our destiny is not one last gasp before we fade into anything but memory. It is a slow and steady release of the self as we fall into God's eternal arms of love. We exhale our lives through living in a return to God who first breathed life into clay, giving us our being. Such exhaling is praise to the Lord, making the sum of our lives praise to God. So, what is the measure of a life? Only the unsearchable limits of God's love and mercy can tell. But perhaps we might measure our best lives with praise. Praise that sings of God's works and benefits. Praise that remembers all that God has done. Praise that takes advantage of the new opportunities we receive with each and every morning. A life measured in praise is truly a life of joy. It is a life that is grounded in God's steadfast love and mercy for a broken and sinful world. No one is left without hope. No one is beyond the promise. So take a deep breath and fill your lungs with the spirit that God is exhaling this morning. Then, praise. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.sttimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always.